Look with me, if you will, in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse number 5. Very familiar scripture. Verse number 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijai. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child. Now, I want you to remember that little phrase right there. They had no child. There was no birth. In other words, there was no future. There was no name to be carried on. Because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. And so it was, while he was serving as priest before God in the order of division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. The whole multitude of the people were praying outside of the, at the hour of incense. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine or strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Look at verse number 17. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Why is he going to do that? This is the phrase I want you to get. He'll, be, he'll, he'll have the power in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You can go in the book of Malachi, you can find that same scripture basically where we're turning the hearts of the fathers toward the children. Now that's, that's a statement right there. It's a powerful statement if when you really think about it, especially in the day and time that we live today. Now listen to me, dads, before we get too far into this message. I, what I'm saying today, I don't want to upset you. I don't want to anger you. I don't want to make you feel bad. My purpose today is to encourage you. Every one of us, every one of us dads, if we're honest with ourselves, every one of us dads have always and have made a number of mistakes in the past, have we not? Amen. Now, that was weak, but I know, you're, 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 I know you have. We have all made mistakes, and so we don't need to judge anybody else. We need to let the Lord do that, right? But my purpose is to help us today and encourage us to, from where we are today, if we've got to change anything, to go ahead and change it and move in the right direction that God wants us to move in. What a statement, to turn the hearts of the fathers toward the children. If there was ever a time that this needs to happen, I believe it's now. I know we talk of how the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that controls the world, and we're talking a lot of times when we say that about moms, and moms do that. But I want to suggest to you that one of the reasons this world and the reason that this nation and the reason that our churches today is in the condition that it's in is because of the fathers. Amen. It's because of the fathers. 
What are you talking about, Pastor? Fathers who don't have their hearts turned toward the children. Fathers who have never put their arm around their child and told them that they love him. I don't care where we go. I don't care where city, what city you go to. There's always going to be children that does not even know who their fathers are. And we wonder why America is like it is. Hmm. Fathers who never have showed an interest are in the motions in front of their children. Many children have never saw you as a father cry. Let me stop right here long enough to say, listen, dads, if you're here today and your, ch- your kids have never saw you cry, you ought to go chop up an onion just so they can see you cry. At least let them do that. I'm serious. Let them see you cry. Fathers who have never or seldom ever take their children to church. Fathers who have walked out on the family. Fathers who have never led their children in prayer or have never themselves even prayed for their children. Fathers who have the time for everything else in the world. But they don't have time for the children. Say, Pastor, is the message going to get any better than that? Oh yeah, we're going to get better than that. Just hold on. John the Baptist's job, when we read this scripture, was to prepare the people. When you look at this, prepare the people for what they called a lasting revival. That was his. He came to prepare the way for a lasting revival so that the church would continue after Jesus went back to heaven. And he was going to do that, Sister Mavis, by turning the hearts of the fathers to their children and the heart of the children to their fathers. What are you talking about, Pastor? When you say turning the hearts of the fathers to the children, when you think about that, that really is the key today. It really is the key to a lasting revival. The fathers train their children and grandchildren to follow the Bible and not follow what the world says. The revival is not lost to one generation, but the love of the Lord is passed from one generation to the next generation and on to the next generation. And God promises us that there will be severe punishment if the hearts of the fathers are not turned toward the children and the children toward the hearts of the fathers. I wonder today, church, if this is where we are in America. I wonder if this is where we are. Matthew 18 and 2 says this, Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for you that a millstone were hanged about their neck and that they were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of the offenses." For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. Now look, get out of your mind a little child. We are all children of the Lord today. And when we offend a little one, Brother David, that little one could be 50 years old and fresh in the house of the Lord. That little one could be 80 years old and never known God but have given their heart to the Lord. And if I offend, it'd be better, the Bible says, for me to hang a millstone around my neck. Got to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Jesus tells us that having one's heart turned toward the children is necessary in order to receive him. 
in order for a, an adult to humble himself as a child, he needs to recognize that little children are as important to the church as the adults are to the church. Thank God for our kids' ministries. Thank God for our youth ministry. Thank God for people in the church that values our children in Sunday school and, 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 and boomerang room and then and, and the kids' church and the youth ministry to invest their time and their labor into raising up a generation. And don't get mad at me for what I'm fixing to say, but there's some of us in this church that have come on Wednesday evenings or whatever the case may be and drop our children off and leave church and go to Walmart. And we think we're raising our children. I thought it'd be quiet this morning a little bit. But it's true. We'll come and we'll drop them off at Remix and we'll go and do our thing instead of coming and listening to the Word of God and investing more into our lives so that we can turn the hearts of the children toward the Lord. Hello, church. Matthew 18 says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. Take heed that you not despise any of these little ones. That in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven, for the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. How think you, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if he finds it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety of nine which went not astray. Now we, we look at that sometimes. We think, well, pastor, he should be rejoicing because of the ninety of nine, and that's true. But the Lord wants us to understand if we have just one out there that's lost, we've got to do our part to go after that one and bring them into the fold. Amen. Even so, it will not be the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. A dad. What is a father? A dad is someone who loves you no matter what who takes care of you, who provides for you, who spends time with you, even though I'd rather be doing something else. That's what a dad is. A father is someone you look up to no matter how tall you grow. You still look up to him. He is supposed to set the godly example before his children. I've heard my dad say many times concerning his father, my papa. And he, he as, his, as his age got, he, he began to be a shorter little, little guy. Dad was taller than him, but he always looked up to him. And if Papa asked him to do something, no matter what it was, and no matter how far away that he was, he would still try to get that done. Amen. Because of the respect. A dad is somebody who loves you, who takes care of you, and supports you no matter what. A dad is a role model who is always there, not, not only in the good times, but the bad times as well. He is someone who loves you with all of his heart and would do anything to make you happy. When you look at the father in the Old Testament, now, now moms, we had Mother's Day just a few Sundays ago, so don't get upset with me here. But when you look at father or dad in the Old Testament, that term and that was a high position. It was a, it was a position of the family. It was, it was basically, when you look at it, in, 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 it actually means Lord. It actually means master. It actually means owner. It actually means possessor. Now, before I go any farther, don't, 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 any, don't any wives say, I'll, I'll be John Brown if he's going to uh, be Lord over me. He ain't going to Lord over my life. Now, I ain't, now don't, don't get that haughty attitude. I'm just giving you what the Word says. And when you think about it from a spiritual context, 
You'll understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say. And we look at Genesis and even in the book of Hosea, because of this position, shared to some degree with his wife, a man expected to be treated as royalty by the rest of the family. Go back and do your research. Matter of fact, the fifth commandment in the Bible carries this idea of importance when the parents one step further when it says to honor your father and your mother. The word honor often refers to one's response to God. In other words, this commandment suggests that the parents should receive a recognition similar to that given to God. Now, don't go too far with that, but it's the same, it's same context. Same context. Along with the honor of the position as head of the family. Now listen guys, this I'm talking about you. As long as this position as head of the family, the father was expected to assume certain responsibilities. These responsibilities can be classified in several areas, but we're going to look at them in three different things. One is spiritual, one is social, and one is economic. When you look at the spiritual well-being of the family, the father, the head of that home, was responsible for the spiritual well-being of the family, as well as the individual members of the family. In the earliest ages, when you go back and study this, the father functioned as the priest of the home. The priest of the home, sacrificing on their behalf. Later, when the priesthood was established in Israel, as a layman no longer functioned at the altar, the father's spiritual role was redefined, and he continued to be the religious leader in the home. And this involved training of the children in godly areas and in godly things, and taking them and teaching them the stories of old and and the spiritual things that God has passed on from them. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 22 simply says, Train up in the child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. But when you look at the living Bible, it puts it this way. Teach a child to choose a right path. And when he is older, he will remain on the right path. He'll remain on the right path. (coughs) And so it's a father's role for the spiritual way of being. The second thing is this, socially. The father's responsibility was to see that no one took advantage of any member of his family. You take advantage of no, no advantage of any member of the family. And those who were not protected by the father were truly disadvantaged, considered disadvantaged in biblical days. The two most common categories of fatherless people were the widows and the orphans. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks of us that we need to take care of them. We need to take care of our widows. We need to take care of the orphans in our church today. Amen. See to it that their needs are taken care of. See to it that they're cared for and looked after. Amen. Four specific duties a father toward his son as stated in the Jewish writings were this. Number one is have his son circumcised. Number two was to pass on the inheritance to the firstborn of his son. Number three was to find his son a wife. I know all of you guys are, are appreciating that. And number four, to teach him a trade. That was four things primarily that a father was responsible for in his home. Maybe other things, but these four primarily. So to teach them the ways of God, to, to, to teach them social things. And the third thing was this, economically, economically. The father was to provide for the needs of members of his home. From time to time, we read in the scripture, matter of fact, that there were lazy fathers in the Bible. A lazy person prevailed, uh, failed to provide for his family. 
And in Proverbs chapter 6, we'll see this. In verse number 6, the Bible, sometimes they would get along with this lazy father. They would begin to mock this guy. And they would say things like this, taken from Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, to take a lesson from the ants, you lazy fellow. Learn from their ways and be wise. For though they have no king to make them work, yet they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. But you, all you do is sleep. When will you wake up? Let me sleep a little longer. Sure, just a little more. And as you sleep, poverty creeps upon you like a robber and destroys you. It won't attack you in full armor. Amen. Think about that. The Apostle Paul, matter of fact, in 1 Timothy. The Apostle Paul rebuked those who consider themselves Christians but did not look after the needs of their family. 1 Timothy 5 and 8 says this, But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the, he has denied the faith and he is worse than an unbeliever. One translation said he is worse than an infidel. The Living Bible says it this way, but anyone who won't care for his own relatives when they really need help, especially those living in his own family, has no right to say that he's a Christian. Such a person is worse than a heathen. Worse than a heathen. And we learn from Scripture that fathers are to be examples. Two scriptures here, one good and one bad. 1 Kings 15 and 25 says this. Now Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel for two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked, listen to this, and walked in the way of his father. And in his sin by which he made Israel sin. And then you go back to 1 Kings 15, chapter, verse 1. The Bible says, In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Azamah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoeliah and Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. You want to tell me how important fathers are today? Just look at those two scriptures. Dad, you're important today. What you say is important. I know that there's times that we say stupid stuff. <laughs> you don't have to ag me on too much, Brother David. I've done it and you've done it. Sometimes we just, we lose our sense of thinking at times. Sometimes we... We act off the cuff at times before we think. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times that Karen says, why don't you think before you speak? She's at home this morning watching her mom. She's probably saying, hey, man. So we say some dumb things at times, but listen to me, dads. Do not negate the fact that you are still important in your home. We need you in the home. Your wife needs you. Your children need you. It's important that you be a great example because of what happened to Judah of what is said concerning their sin. Jeremiah 17 and 1 says this, The sin of Judah is written with the pen of iron. With the point of a diamond, it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of your altars. On the horns of your altars. So what we have in front of us today, our responsibilities today is so vital today. 
And I sensed earlier this morning that, that you were here this morning and God wanted to touch you and I pray that He has already. But listen to me, dads. You are vital to your home today. You're important to your family today. Listen here. There's, here's some tributes that somebody wrote concerning their fathers and their dads. This is what one person said. He takes good care of me. If I want something, he'll get it for me and he comforts me. Another person said, my dad is my friend. He is somebody who I joke with and I love. Another person said, he is a special person in my life. Brother Roger was saying earlier in the, in the, in the, in the uh, gift shop that, that on an average, wasn't it, Brother Roger, $135 is spent on an average for fathers today. So kids and mamas, if you ain't, if you ain't got on the average yet, you still got time. You got the rest of the day. An average on worldwide has spent $135 on dads on Father's Day. One person says this, my dad is deceased, but I remember how much he loved not only me, but all of his other children. He did not always say it in words, but by his actions, he took care of and provided for us in good times and in bad times. Another person said, my dad means the world to me. He loves me, supports me. My dad has set the example and the way before me. He is a Christian and I will always look up to my dad. Another person said, my father means the world to me. I love him very much. My dad means everything to me. I'm his little girl who always enjoys spending time with him, especially when fishing. I appreciate that I have a dad because my dad basically grew up without one. I wouldn't trade my dad for anything in the world. My dad is a great role model and a very good person to look up to. Dad, you are important. You're important. Father's Day. And I understand that this day is... It's a joyous day for some, and it's not a joyous day for others because you've lost your fathers. I understand that. But I want you, those especially, that those of you that maybe lost your fathers, remember the good times. Remember the things that they used to tell you. Remember those, those moments that you spent with, with one another. Remember those things, those sayings, those, those sort of private times that you had with your father. It's a special day when we remember dad it's a special day when we remember the things that he'd done for us. It's a special day when we remember all the things. You've heard me say this before, but I remember the time Dad was pastoring in Mount Olive before we moved to Blyville. I remember, Brother Wendell, the day. Now, I don't know the month or the day, but I remember the day that I finally got big enough to throw him on the floor. <laughs> to me, that was a special day. I was strong enough to wrestle with my dad and get him, Sister Mavis, where I had to put him on the floor. Now, he may not, you remember that? Oh, you do. <laughs> Boy, it was a day stuck out in my life. So we have those highlights in my life. I remember the time. I don't remember the month. I don't remember the day, but I remember the day, Brother Richard, where I was standing on the bank down in Little Clara, Mississippi, on a bank of Big Creek as a little fella, and dad was fishing in that creek and he swung his fishing pole back and a hook caught me in the ear. <clears throat> and he liked to jerk me in the creek. I remember the day. I don't know the month and I don't know the day. But I remember the day when he left me by that little lake, by that little pond in the middle of the night. And, he, and I had to run away and try to find him. I remember the day that he left me in the deer woods and it was cold. And I couldn't get him to come and start no fire. I remember that day. Boy, I'm about to get preachy now, ain't I? 
I could go on and on, I promise you. But I also remember the day, different day, Sister Mavis, where he would pray with me in the altar. I remember the day where he would come and do father and son things with me. I remember the day that even though he may not have said it a whole lot with his words, but he would tell me, Sister Sue, that I love you, care for you, and I'm proud that you're my son. I remember those days as well. And that's what I'm talking about. What is a father? A father does all kinds of things. We, we get in trouble so often. We do dumb stuff so many times. But then there's other moments, Brother Adam, that we, we make up for it. <laughs> Sometimes we don't mean to, but it just happens. Maybe God just helps us in that way. God helps us in our ignorance at times. But God blesses and he raises us. I'm a blessed guy today. I'm a blessed father today. I'm a blessed man. I'm a blessed son today. I never, I never knew, Brother Doug, I, I never knew what it was like not to come home to a mom and dad. I never knew that. I, I never knew what it was like not to have a hot cooked meal on my table at night when mom, when we was growing up. I never knew what it was like that dad would not take care of us when we got in trouble. I remember those times that I got whippings. I remember those times that he pulled the belt off. I remember those times that he told me to go out and get the switch in the yard and he had switched me. I remember all of those times and I probably needed every one of them, but I never remember a time where I felt like dad abused me. Oh, probably at the time I felt that way, but looking back, I, he never abused me. But he loved me and he was trying to steer me in the right direction. Listen, listen, dads, one of our responsibilities, we've got to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. The children is where is the key. I don't, I don't want to lose my family today. I don't want to preach every Sunday to you and lose my family to hell. Do you understand how awful that would be? I don't want to lose my son or my daughter or my granddaughter to hell today if, because every time I get up here and preach to you, I, I've got to bring me under, uh, under subjection. I've got to make sure that I'm what, doing what I need to be doing. To teach them, and I'm thankful today, and I understand, and I'm not trying to be personal this morning. I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Please, please disregard that. But I'm thankful today that God has blessed us, that all of our families in church today. My family is in church today. My son and my daughter-in-law is no doubt singing at the rock this morning in Jonesboro. I would rather them be here, but they're over there, and they're still worshiping. My granddaughter today. At any time, Sister Mavis, I could go and say, hey, would you pray for Papa? And she'd come and she'd lay hands on me. And she'd say her little Jesus prayer. That may not mean nothing to you, but I would tell you, it means the world to me. I'm thankful that there's a heritage there. And I don't want to lose my family. Noah had a responsibility to get his family in the ark. He got them there. You have a responsibility today to have your family with you. Let me close this morning. Fathers, fathers are the biggest source of strength for a child. Fathers are the biggest source of strength for a child. The innocent eyes of a child perceive father as a... And my children used to do this. I don't think they do this anymore. But at one time, they perceived me as an all-powerful, all-knowledgeable guy. Knew everything. Truly affectionate. I was the most important person in the family. I was the one that made all the decisions. Now, they didn't know it at the time, but Mama really did it. 
But they thought I did. For daughters, fathers are the first men they, they adore. Dads, how are you treating your kids today? Do they adore you still? Do they love you? Do they just want to hang with you? My 21-year-old daughter still loves to come sit in my lap. I'm thankful for that. I can't hold her near as long today. Don't you tell her, Beth. But I'm thankful she still wants to do that. I'm thankful that she's not embarrassed to come and hug her daddy and kiss me on the cheek. She's not embarrassed at all. I'm thankful for that. Daughters, the fathers of the first men they fall in love with. Most daughters want to marry a man like their daddy, like their father. While for sons, their fathers are the strongest person they know. Someone they aspire to emulate, to be like. Even for the grown-up fathers are someone whom they look up to for the most experience and the honest advice that is always proven to be in our best interest. There's still times today, I'll have to go over to dad's house and say, let me ask your opinion about this. Why, why do I do that at my age? Because I still respect his opinion. I respect his advice. I respect the knowledge that he has. I, I want my kids to do the same thing. I want them to feel free to ask me no matter what age they are. Don't be embarrassed to ask your father dumb questions. They enjoy that. Fathers. Children blessed with a loving father should consider themselves fortunate today. I know we have most of our kids in the back, but some young people are here today. Listen, young people, if if you have a Christian father and a loving father, you need to feel fortunate today. Adults, if you had a loving and a father in your life, even some that has lost their fathers, if you had that, that father figure in your life, be thankful today that you had that time with them. Some, some people can't say that. They can't say it. They have someone to take care of their needs, interest. Someone to stop them when they are diverting to the wrong path. And they guide them on that road to success. For many of us, fathers have always been there to solve our Many, many mathematical and science problems that we had to go through over and over again. And for all of those scolding times, and even for all of those punishment times, I hope you're able to still say that you're thankful for your fathers. Brother Larry, I didn't like to get whipped growing up. I like your story. Can I share that? I don't know if this is a would be considered abuse or not, but it but it taught you. Dad, yeah. Dad sometimes has a has a has a way with things. Brother Larry kept tells the story, some of you may know it, when he was what, fifteen, sixteen years old? About eight years old. Larry, brother Larry, I know y'all probably don't think this now, but he used to be an honorary fellow. Get into trouble all the time, he used to say, and his dad just had enough of it. 
without going in detail, he brought him home one day, took him around the back of the house and had a barrel stood up and stood him up on that barrel and put a, a rope around his neck and said, son, I can't, you won't listen to me. I've tried, I've tried every, now I'm not, I'm not advocating dads to try that today. Don't do this. Don't, don't do this. But his dad, he said, I've, I've, I've done everything I know to do. I've whipped you. I've tried to love you. Into, I've tried everything, but you are not listening. And all I know to do is to hang you. <laughs> Sister Ruth and Shirley at that time, the, different, the family was standing around, and they got to crying. And Daddy, please don't hang Larry. <laughs> please. Every now and then, his dad, he said, would pull on that rope and tighten it up against his neck, scare the living daylights out of him. But it done the trick. <laughs> Sometimes dad has a way with things. You've heard me say many times, and I'll close, Mom, Mom, when you used, she used to whip me, I, I don't ever remember crying when Mama whipped me. We just had a fun time when she whipped me. But I was always scared of my father. If, Ma, if anybody's going to do the punishment, let Mama, let Mama punish me. I can handle her punishment. But Daddy, he just had that... When Mama said, I'm going to tell your Daddy, oh, Lord, I didn't want that at all. I look back on those times now, and I needed every one of them, of course, but I'm thankful Dad taught me and led me in the direction that I needed to go. Now listen, dads, you're needed in your home. Mama is not and should not be the only disciplinarian in your home. You need to be there. You need to be there as well. Mamas should not need to make all the decisions all the time in your house. Amen. Dads, you need to make some decisions. Dads, your wife and mamas doesn't need to be the driving force of your home. I'm not meaning that in a bad way. Hear me. You better rise up and take your place and lead together. When God created Eve, he took a rib, right? So she could be side by side. Lead together. Lead together. That's what a good father is all about. Making those decisions. Being that inspiration. Showing the love of Jesus Christ. Spiritually and socially and economically as well. Be a father that you need to be. Amen. I want to ask all the dads one more time to come up front. If you, if you don't mind, I want everybody to stand with me. One more time, dads, I want you to come. I know putting a lot on you this morning, but just come. We're going to go just a second. Thank you for thank you for coming. I remember as a boy, Sam, when Dad would take me hunting, especially in the snow. It always happened in the snow, but especially in the snow. I would catch myself, Brian, trying to walk in his shoes where his where his feet was. You know what I'm talking about? Where 
where he would make the footprints. I'd catch myself trying to step in those footprints. I never thought a whole lot about that, Brother Joe, until I got older. Something powerful there. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good father. I want to be like that man right there as my father. As he taught me, I, I too want to carry on that tradition and teach my children as well. Dads, I'll say it again, we need you. We need you. We need you to stay in the game. Don't wimp out. We need you to stay in the game. Don't coward down. Stay in the game. Being a father's tough. Being a father's hard. The pressure sometimes that's placed upon you is difficult at times. It is. It's hard. I, I remember times, Brother Chuck, that I, I think, like, how, how can I do this, Lord? I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to be a husband like I need to be because of just the pressures of life and things. But you can. God will give you the strength that you need it. So stay in the game. Be that father. Be that dad that you need to be. And if you're here this morning and you've made mistakes in the past, forget about those mistakes. Forget about them. Move forward. Move forward. If you need to ask somebody to forgive you, then ask them to. If you need to go to your children and say, hey, would you forgive me? There's nothing wrong with you doing that as a father. That doesn't make you any less of a father. It does. It makes you a, it, it, it puts strength upon you. I've had to do that with my kids before. Hey, I messed up. I yelled at you when I shouldn't have done that. Should have done that. Y'all heard me tell the story one time Adam was sitting at the house. He wasn't paying attention to me, and, and Matt, he had these headphones on, and I yanked them headphones off his head one time, and he thought I'd go kill him right there. Well, I'd done that in anger, and I knew that, and I had to go back to that little boy at that time and say, hey, son, forgive me. Didn't make me any less of a dad, but he saw something. He appreciated that, that I recognized that, that fact. So do that. If you need to apologize, apologize. If you need to go to your wife, say, honey, I, I've not been treating you the way that I need to. I've been a little sarcastic. I've not been loving. I've, I've not been attentive. Well, I don't know why I'm going this direction, but sometimes us guys, we, we get to be married 10, 20, and 30 years, and we take our wives for granted. We do. We may not say it. We may not mean to, but we do. We don't show them what they need to be showed. We don't love them like we need to be loved, that they need to be loved. We don't date them and let them know that they are still special in our eyes. I look back at a picture of Karen and I, Toby, when we first got married, and I don't even know those people anymore. I look so different. Karen looks so different. But Sam, she's still my wife. She's the person that I, I want to grow old with. And I have to remind her, and she has to remind me often, I just want to let you know that I love you. I want to let you know that you're still mine, and I'm still yours, and I care for you. Come on, dads. I know you've been married 50 years, but it's okay to kiss that woman every now and then. It's all right to date her. It's all right to hold her hand. Sometimes us dads, we, we fail at that a little bit, and I'm encouraging us to, we need to change those things then change it stay in the game today stay in the game father i want to ask you this morning but for every father in the house today every father in the house we've got young fathers we've got middle-aged dads we've got older dads
And God, I want to thank you for every one of them today. They mean the world to me and this church. Help them, oh God, today to stay in the game. Help them to stay in the game. Help them, oh Lord, not to lose track of who they are in you. They are your children. They are the priests of their homes. They, Lord, are the leaders of their home and their house today. Give them the answers that they need. Give them the direction that they need. And we'll give you thanks. We'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.